Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Guys, Five Movies. This morning, your co-host, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pellicone. You are listening to episode 182, and tonight we are covering the top five horror movies of 2004. So, Frank, uh, before we get to your top five list, uh, were there any movies that you wanted to talk about that you thought about putting on this list? Uh, Japanese horror, Spider Force, I thought about putting on. What's that? Um, uh, who fucking remembers? <laughs> Ghost, Ghost in some haunted I'm forest. I'm assuming you I, saw this in like 05 or something? Yeah, I mean, it's been like 20 years since I've seen gotcha. that movie. I, don't uh-huh. know. I just remember kind of liking it. Um, I may actually even, I own it on, I, I definitely own it on DVD, but I don't know. It's been a long time. Yeah. Some creepy shit with like webbed up mummified kids i think if i remember correctly mm, okay um the th- first three extremes anthologies this year but we'd already talked about that in horror anthologies yep um so i figured there was no need for that um you had actually asked me about Shaun of the dead mm-hmm. i enjoy Shaun of the dead but i don't necessarily think of it as a horror movie per se because it's so much just its own thing like it's just a comedy so mm-hmm. um i don't know if i even like vaguely considered it but i I thought about it and then when you mentioned it you know um there's actually a movie i should have put on the list and i forgot about it completely um this movie premonition which is a japanese horror film um right uh it was remade with what's her name um uh uh, that was uh, Sandra Bullock, right? Sandra Bullock, right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, but I forgot about it until it was too late. Um, there's a movie called Our Point, which is like a um, psychological war horror movie. It's uh, Korean, I think. Mm-hmm. Or maybe Vietnamese. Eh, maybe Korean. Um, which I thought was... I, I remember liking a little bit, but it felt like too long to me. And then when I was thinking about putting it on the list, I couldn't remember enough about it to remember if it was worthwhile, so I didn't do that. Um, there's a movie by the guy that did uh, The Grudge called Marabito, which is just kind of mediocre, about this like mysterious woman that's found in this deep cave. And there's some decent stuff in it, but it's not like the best movie. I mean, honestly, there's just a bunch of shit um, in 2004. And there's a lot of actually, like, shit creeping into the Asian horror. Hmm. So, just getting flooded, you think? I mean, is that... You know, I mean, like, they're just going back to the well too many times. It's not even, like, too many movies. It's just how many times can you see the same thing? Sure. And I don't think... I wasn't quite to the point where it was, like, bothersome to me. But when I was watching these movies again, I remember thinking, like, man, like, how did I watch... You know, I don't know, probably like 30 or 40 Asian horror movies in the span of that year. Mm-hmm. And probably more than that, because that's when I was buying like, you know, five, six, seven movies a week at least from Best Buy. And a lot of that was Asian horror. Sure. Um, so I definitely cannot do that now. Uh, although, oddly enough, I've been finding some Asian horror I've never seen before recently and watching it. This has been recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's one that I'm trying to find. I need to check and see if it's on YouTube. Um, that's a Korean retelling of the Pied Piper story. Hmm. Um, I think it's called Piper, but I haven't been able to find it streaming anywhere. So, um, 
I guess I'll see because YouTube has a bunch of like Korean translated stuff um, through the Korean Film Preservation Society. Okay. Um, who I, I follow on YouTube. They put out at least like five or six movies a week, usually older Korean movies, but sometimes like newer stuff um, for free and subtitled in English with really good transfers. And they just do it to preserve, I guess, movies that otherwise might, um, uh, you know, might be lost to lost to time or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it 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 feels like there's this dearth of good. Uh, like, there's a lot of horror movies coming out. Um, but it's like there's a dearth of good American horror movies, and now you're saying that like Japanese movies are going to the well a little bit too much, and so it feels like, and this list kind of feels that way, is that there's just not a lot of great stuff that's going on um as evidenced by i think it was like last month we were also talking you were, there was a couple of movies you were like yeah i put it on the list not, not that it doesn't have its problems like you know and then you know I, I i feel that might be a thing in the next year or two with a couple of movies even um so is it just the 2000s like at some point it just kind of starts getting rough to like just horror itself just starts getting repetitive um like in general you think so everyone a lot of the asian a lot of the asian movies are um really just ripping off stuff like like we're going to talk about a movie that's uh more or less a rip off isn't exactly the right word but like a veiled like a thinly veiled imitation of the ring um yeah i don't know i i I think i think it's like what you saw in the aftermath of i guess scream or whatever and that american studios are starting to recognize the profitability of not only horror in general but specifically asian horror Mm -hmm. so you're getting in the past like last year and this year and then in the next coming years you're gonna get a bunch of american remakes of asian horror Right. Um, the Asian horror movies are starting to become really um, samey, I guess, mm-hmm. with each other. Like, there's not a whole lot of variety, um, and it takes it takes a few years for, especially like Korean horror, to kind of find its groove. Um, and then you start to get a lot of variety. I mean, there's um, a nice. Oh shit! Sorry, I had an alarm set. Mm-hmm. Um, just in case I fell asleep. Um, you get a lot more variety in terms of like their serial killer horror and then supernatural horror. Um, Japanese horror becomes a little more varied and like, so we're going to talk about a, a Mike movie, um, this month that, uh, more or less is that's the, the ring, um, I don't, know, re- I don't want to call it like a remake or a ripoff or whatever, but like the movie that kind of imitates the ring. And I, there's, I think some inter- interesting things that Mike does there that I kind of want to talk about, but um, yeah, that's it really like, and we've said it, I've said it the past couple months, it's stuff like the Babadook and it follows and then the witch. And then, you know, really like 
broadening the um the possibilities of horror in film sure <clears throat> um I, i'd be remiss probably if i didn't ask you about a few movies from 2004 that were more mainstream um because uh well yeah at least two um saul and the village came out this year um that would probably be on a lot of top five lists i would think and then night watch oh. also comes out this year as well um that... they watch the russian movie yes yes um so uh, just if you want to just briefly say a couple things about those and like what your general feelings are on them yes just, just trying to trying to trying to be controversial here um <laughs> I think Saw is trash. I think it's one of the worst. It's one of the most laughable horror movies of all time, and I have no ability to understand why people enjoy it um, and take it seriously. He was in the room the whole time. Right. I understand. I've seen it. Um, I thought it was an amazing premise. I remember reading about it in a box office magazine before it came out and thinking like oh my god like this movie's going to be amazing and then i mean really it's it's the performances who is that danny glover and carrie Ulls, right yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. um just terrible like laughable performances almost with really bad dialogue <laughs> so some really silly shit i'll always remember this idea and i haven't i don't know if i've watched it since i remember the scene where it feels like danny glover's running after somebody shooting them and they're shooting back and he ducks behind yeah it's a pillar a pillar but the pillar's like like three inches like wide and he's like ducking behind it and it's hilarious right it's like a comedy right um do you think that people would put the village on top five lists yes I really enjoy The Village. I don't think of The Village as a horror movie. To me, The Village is social commentary masquerading as suspense, I guess, maybe. Well, I mean, if you take, you know, the idea of the the kayfabe of The Village itself as something stalking, like, I think people count that. And then it is filmed, to some degree, as horror for a while. Like, I mean... So, here's my... Um, pretentious snobbish opinion on this mm-hmm. if it's not a real horror movie it's not a horror movie like if it doesn't end as a horror movie if it just ends as i like the village a lot and i'm not criticizing the ending but it's not a horror movie the village is uh, the same fake 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 out bullshit that Shyamalan always does it just it's a little better than most of his other movies i think that's gotcha. right so um what's what the other night watch I don't think a Night Watch is a horror movie either. Night Watch is a fever dream superhero movie, I guess. Um, and it has like some elements of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Supernatural adventure in it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a Takashi Miike movie that I don't. I think I put on the list. Um. Let me see if I put that on there before I contradict myself in like a month. What year? I got it up right now. I don't remember what year. 08 maybe or something. The Great Yokai War. Did I put that on the list? No, I don't see it on here. Uh good. That's probably like 2010 then. Um, Takashi Miike made this really great uh, kids movie called The Great Yokai War. 
but yokai in japan are you know they're spirits like they're ghosts and demons and stuff um so inherently like it's or i guess ostensibly it's a horror movie um but it's not a horror movie you know it's an action movie and a um a really good one at that like it's a very classic like feeling um action adventure movie that just happens to involve like demons and ghosts and monsters and right shit. and that's kind of how i look at something like night watch like there's gotcha. you know there's elements of horror in it because of like some of the powers that these creatures have or where their powers come from but ultimately it's a real um really just like an action adventure movie yeah it's oh five and you do not have it on there so great okay war is oh five yeah no shit that movie's amazing. I don't know what list that ever makes, and maybe someday I just like yeah. sneak it onto a spin chagrin or something. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we're gonna have plenty of opportunities to start doing like solo movies more. There's a sequel to it, so I, I don't yeah. Know. So all right, so let's go ahead and jump in then. Um, number oh, yeah. five on your list is creep it is directed by christopher smith it stars franca potente vaz blackman and sean harris has a 40 percent from critics and a 39 percent from audiences on Rotten tomatoes so you want to tell us just a little bit about this and why i made the list so not gonna lie for the entire time that i've known of this movie's existence i've always thought it was an unofficial remake of a movie that was on our 70s list 72 for um deathline yeah um, which is a very, very similar plot. But in reading about this movie after watching it, um, the director has claimed that he's never had never seen Deathline, mm. um, which I don't believe. I think that's bullshit. But um, I guess it's not officially like a, a remake or a reimagining. Mm-hmm. But it's the same idea, which is um, in the underground of London, there's this cannibalistic killer that's living. Um, this is much more, I don't know if clearly defined is the way I want to put it, but it's definitely like, there's a lot more like origin story given to this killer than um, the Deathline uh, troglodyte or whatever. Um, so a woman, a uh, German woman living in London is on her way home after work, um, falls asleep on the subway, the tube or whatever, uh, um, wakes up like alone um, turns out that a guy she works with is on the train with her who goes from like casual flirting to trying to rape her yeah. after doing some cocaine, which is um pretty off-putting. Uh, as he's attempting to assault her, um, he gets pulled out of the door of the train and um, savaged, uh, which makes her run away. Um, she finds that she's locked in the underground, so she ends up... Um, basically coming in contact with these people that she had met well that are homeless homeless drug addicts that live underground um she convinces the boyfriend of the couple to like help her um but when he does his wife or girlfriend or whatever gets taken by the uh the maniac in the tube um meanwhile they find um the rapist and she um in a show of humanity like doesn't want to leave him so he leaves her the drug addict um but also shows her where she can get a hold of um uh what the fuck is he like a night watchman or security yeah. guard or something that is in like this room 
Um, but ultimately, like, that guy gets killed, too, and then um, the rapist gets killed, and uh, she gets kidnapped by the the maniac and taken to his underground lair. This is where I I had actually forgotten a lot of this movie. I because I really think that I have somehow superimposed Deathline over top of this movie mm-hmm. and imagine that I'm always watching that movie. Uh huh. Um, it's really like I. So do you think it's an anti-abortion movie that it turns into in some way? I don't think I thought that the first time I saw it, and I actually kind of forgot about like all that imagery. But I yeah, I, like I didn't. It's... Yeah, I didn't think it. I didn't kind of. I think I was so kind of tuned out by the end of this that I didn't yeah. really consider it. But so the killer is this guy who it's implied is like a survived like abortion, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, who lives in this abandoned what like underground hospital where abortions were performed, and there's like right fetuses and jars and stuff and um sorry my throat is really really dry tonight for some reason um so anyway like she's kidnapped and um the guy is like trying to kill her and she ends up like basically ripping his um his throat off by like putting a hook in it and um the end of the movie is her like all like disheveled and broken like sitting in the 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 whatever the tube station that's now open and this dude like dropping i guess a quid or whatever on her <laughs> yeah like she's a homeless and her going crazy so i'm assuming there's all kinds of like um I, I imagine that it's uh what do they call the conservative party in not labor it's the other one right is yes. the conservative party I, I I like watching it this time I kind of assume that it's almost like a propaganda piece conservative party yeah labor and conservative yeah um where it's like homeless people are a scourge and abortion's bad and blah 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 um again when I think of it as a remake of Deathline, it's a better movie. Um, not to say because it has some decent performances. I like the woman that plays the main character. Uh, she reminds me of someone, but I couldn't put my finger on it the whole time I was watching the movie. Hmm. Um, I think some of the imagery is pretty decent. Although I, when we, you and I were talking about it the other night, I said that something that bothers me about it is it it feels very BBC production to me. Um, like the, the camera work and the film stock just feels very like British television, which I always find to be really cheap. Right. Um, but it's not a terrible movie and it's free on Tubi. And um, I mean, I would say just go watch Deathline because Deathline is also free on Tubi, I think. Uh, or it's free somewhere at least. It's right now it's free on Prime, Redbox, and Plex. Um, so I think that's the better thing because it's a very similar story, but much more left to the imagination, which makes it, I think, more effective. And then you can um, always come back to our episode 142, where Frank talks about Deathline. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, save yourself I, I, the trouble, right? I, 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 I actually enjoyed this movie, like as just something to have on and being entertaining. And I got kind of turned off when you when it gets into the creeps backstory. Craig, yeah. I think, is his name. Craig, which, um, right. that's the problem is they give him a name. 
Um, I think it would have just been better had you not get, gotten into any of that and might have been more effective. Um, right. And I think the problem is that I think the backstory is meant to be some kind of like biting social commentary against i i, I mean i really think it's an anti-abortion yeah movie. you're probably right like i said i'd have to like put more thought into it um the dog lives everybody if you do watch it yes if you're worried about those kind of things so the only thing that really matters in the whole movie yeah um this is the guy who eventually does um some movies you're i'm sure you're familiar with but um he does uh triangle um oh yeah i hate that movie yeah, yeah it's bad um and then severance is good though severance is good yeah yeah and, and black then, death is mediocre oh okay you've seen that mm. all right that feels like a chagrin movie to me but mm, it's pre-chagrin chagrin okay. it's one of those things where during covid when i had nothing to do when i was watching like like 12 to 13 movies a week um i watched it it's not yeah. terrible it's so i mean not to get off track but Black Death is a period piece um, that obviously takes place during, like, the plague in Europe. Um, it's fine. Like, yeah. there's much worse period pieces that you're going to see, and it's it's watchable, at least. Yeah, I thought, uh, I don't know if you've seen The Banishing that was on um, Shudder forever. I can't um, remember. But it was pretty dull. Um, and then I didn't know he did a Consecration, which is, I think, just came up on um shutter like this week is that the one with the woman with the white eyes screaming on the oh it's always some woman screaming frank mm. who knows is the banishing the one that takes place in like the british like small british village in the church with the guy uh, who brings his wife yeah and... there's a vicar yeah yeah uh -huh. yeah he's like yeah. a vicar who brings his family or whatever um i thought that movie was about 15 minutes too long i thought it was super uneven because it had some really great visuals mm -hmm. and i thought the performances were pretty good but yeah. i felt like it took a thousand years for anything to happen and then when something seemed like it was happening all of a sudden like nothing was happening again so. right yeah i agree uh, yes so i got i got kind of bored with it but um yeah. it was it was like well filmed and stuff i thought mm, yeah it looked really good yeah um so yeah i mean so here's a guy this is his first movie i can still still direct him still in horror um, yeah all right, uh, number four on your list is One Missed Call, directed by Takashi Miike. It stars Ko Shibasaki, Kazu Fukuishi, <laughs> and Shinichi Sumi. Has 44% from critics and a 62% from audiences. I'm really surprised the critical rating was as low on this movie because Miike usually um, gets that pretentious like cred from yeah. the weeboos or whatever um yeah the, the actually the, the consensus is like uh which is something you're going to talk about is ultimately that it's too unoriginal um uh among reviewers so it's based on a novel that i'm completely unfamiliar with um but it's inherently it's a combination of the ring and some elements of um, there's a series of movies called The Slipmouth Woman, um, which actually haven't come out yet, but at this point in like real life. Um, however, there's a bunch of other like Japanese uh, urban legend movies that are very similar to One Miss Call. 
Um, the premise being that um, you get a call on your phone, uh, you miss the call and it leaves a voicemail and it's a voicemail from you in the future at a specific time. Um, and that's the time that these people die is like when the call is. Um, this girl receives a call and she ends up um, basically getting thrown over a bridge, um, a train bridge, I guess, like an overpass um, to use like real English words um and dies and then her hand is severed and as she's like laying there dying her severed hand like dials her friend and leaves a voicemail or whatever um so the mystery is like where are these calls coming from almost exactly the same thing as the ring where it gets traced back to this girl who was abused and um there was some moonshells in my proxy that happened where her mother was like abusing her sister and then using her to get like sympathy. Um, so the intrepid, you know, her hero and heroine of the movie um, are trying to give her like satisfaction, you know, like a good death or whatever. Um, and ultimately, just like the ring, it turns out that the spirit, you know, that's causing all these things is actually the bad guy. Um, that's the twist ending to it. Um, that she was the one that was abusing her sister and that her mother was trying to stop her. Um, and that ultimately, like, you know, there's no, like, whatever, salvation or whatever, just like in the ring. Um, so, I really hated this movie when I first saw it. Um, I thought it was very derivative and boring, and I thought it had really long stretches where nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Um so when it came time to make this list and I saw it, um, I really struggled with the idea of like, should I put it on there? But I thought in the end, you know, it's one of the seminal directors of like the early two thousands in terms of like Japanese, like extreme in Mike. So I figured, you know, maybe give it a chance to watch it again. If anything, it'll be an interesting conversation and it can be like the number five, you know, nostalgia pick, but mm -hmm. Watching the movie this time, here's here's something that I did not think about the first time, and I only thought about it like upon this watch. I wonder if this movie isn't almost exactly what we were talking about during the intro to this episode, which is this is Mike basically illustrating the burnout of J Har. Mm -hmm. Like here's every trope that you can have in Japanese horror from you know the late 90s up to this point so there's a girl with the hair over her face you know there's technology is like this whatever you know right I didn't think about that unknown like, right unknown evil that you know, like vague vaguely defined evil of like the modern world you know there's um the melancholy youths of indecipherable age that are kind of like together but alone and sort of just like groping for you know some kind of reason to live and then all of a sudden their lives are in danger like you know they're rushing to try and like save themselves and ultimately like the evil is this undefeatable thing it's all these things are you know, it's it's the grudge, it's pulse, it's there's some elements of dark water here, 
with the little girl. There's some elements of the ring, a lot of elements of the ring. So I was wondering if like this wasn't Mikay because he's not anything about like any kind of traditional horror to this point in his career. He's mm-hmm. very much about like extreme almost like live action anime or whatever. And the one movie he has that and we've talked about it, I guess it was two thousand, right? Happiness of the Katakuris. Um yeah. not a horror. I mean it's 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 a horror comedy musical right. like right like psychotic break or whatever sure um that's brilliant and a great movie but absolutely nothing like anything else that's out at the time right so for him to make a movie that's so derivative and so on the nose with its imitation i think is on purpose to illustrate how like creatively bankrupt the genre had become in such a short period of time um i've never read any interviews with him so i'm just talking out my ass but Considering that you look at like his body of work after this, and he never really even ever goes back to this well again, you know, like he makes this one movie and then that's kind of it. And I wonder if it wasn't just him like showing, like, this is how boring this shit is, you know? Right. And it's funny because they're still making like almost the exact same movies to this day. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. So. There's definitely some good creepy stuff in this movie. I mean, it's not like he's like phoning it in or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think the the ghost gradually becoming more visible in the cell phone picture is a really cool conceit. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff like in the village itself, like when they go to the old hospital or whatever, that I think looks really good. Um, I think it's really. Uh, I don't know if bold is the right word, but it's very rare when somebody uses something like Munchausen by proxy as whatever, like the catalyst for the horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually something that's I don't think talked about enough. Not to say there aren't like plenty of horror movies where it's like a child is like abused or whatever, but um, to actually like define what was happening with the mother, even if it's a MacGuffin or whatever, it ultimately. Um, I thought it was really kind of like an interesting take and definitely showed a lot more thought. But I also think kind of points to illustrate my point, which is the idea of the faking it just to get attention kind of thing, maybe. Mm. Um, even if ultimately that's not what was happening, which I think is also like a really interesting twist to the movie that, you know, she was evil all along, although it immediately harkens back to the ring when you're watching it. Right. Um, or dark water or whatever. Cause I think, again, I see similarities between both those movies there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's weird. And I, I think I enjoy the movie a lot more if I look at it as kind of like veiled, um, you know, artistic commentary as opposed to just an outright. Yeah. I wish you I'd, I could have watched it with you saying that because you, you had told me about it last night off air. But um, I wish I could have looked at it like that because I was just really just bored by it. Um, yeah, watching it I'm, after all these years. So here's th- this is another reason why I think it kind of like supports that idea is that, that Mika has been trying to scare you or build like these like consistent like atmosphere of dread and jump scares 
he's really just going through the motions and dragging it out so much and almost making it like like a formulaic like drama piece at times or something you know uh-huh. and i i i really think that that's got to be on purpose in some ways and it was only something i thought watching like while watching the movie and i've never thought it before so i don't have like some fully formed you know thesis or whatever here but i just i think it has to be something other than him just trying to make like a normal you know j horror movie at the time so yeah um cherry picking things that i see here but uh it is interesting that in in a number of ways that he cites uh starship troopers as his favorite movie Mm. but as a satire you know i mean yeah um yeah yeah i i Maybe someday I'll watch it again. I don't know, but um, yeah, I Maybe was like really, really do that. I was I was really turned off uh, by, um, by that movie overall. Even though it did have uh, some really good imagery at times and some good atmospheric scenes, uh, it just so little happens. Um, from like in that plot, like you know, just uh, what was Orgy's like labored? Used, yeah, it's very laborious. Yeah. But um, so yeah, that was tough. Uh, to watch. I've also I've never watched any of the um, the two sequels to this movie, mm-hmm. and Mikay, I don't think has anything to do with them unless he's a producer. But he doesn't. He's not like the writer or the director of those movies. Um, but I'm not sure what they do afterwards to try and kind of expand this mythology or continue whatever's happening, or maybe they just go in a completely different direction. But. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. Maybe I'll try those one time, like at least the second sequel, and see what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could actually be all right if they're just like straightforward, like horror movies potentially. You know. I'm know. also curious. Um, so there's a 2008 remake of this movie, um, which I've also never seen. Uh, I have read that that is one of the worst remakes of all time. Um, what is that? Shannon Salsman, Ed Burns, <laughs> Ray Watson, um, and it had zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes based on eighty-one reviews. Whoa! <laughs> I'm definitely gonna watch that movie. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. Oh, it looks like it might be like one of those quasi sequel type things where it's like the characters from the original like are referenced or something. Or I mean, it reads like it's the exact same thing. At least a lot of it. The candy falling out of the mouth and I don't know. Uh, Let's see here. All right, number three on your list. Let's see if I can do this. Um is Shutter. It is directed by Park Palm Wong Palm and Banjong Paisenthunakan. Um it has a 63% from critics and a 77% from audiences. Uh so you want to tell us a little about this one and why I made the list. So we can pretend like this was completely intentional, but um it wasn't at all. Uh one thing I noticed about this list after I made it and watched the movies is um, every one of these movies is from a different country. 
um and yep. sort of has like a completely different feel to it um so this is a second asian horror on the list but this is our first thai horror movie that we've talked about um and probably one of the only ones we will because i kind of find thai horror to not be that great uh-huh. um so shutter um is also sort of formulaic but i think has um a pretty cool twist to it and some good visuals uh, especially towards the end of the movie um i realized today while i was thinking about what i was going to say about these movies that shutter is basically the asian version of like what lies beneath in a lot of ways so mm-hmm. that's kind of makes it a lot more lame than, <laughs> than i originally thought <laughs> you, you and you hate that movie, right? Like, uh, absolutely despise that movie. What lies beneath? It's just it's it's not very good. I don't know if I, I don't know if despising um is the right word, but it's it's yeah it's it's not worth watching. Um, man and woman are recent college graduates. Um while driving home from a celebration with a friend, like with their group of friends, uh, they're in an accident where the woman who's driving the car runs into a woman that's walking across the street. Uh, the boyfriend convinces her to basically drive away and leave the body in the road, which she does. Um, subsequently they start to both experience phenomenon and then eventual hauntings, um, which she thinks is the woman kind of like getting revenge because they killed her and left her there. Um, but it turns out that the woman was a former classmate of the boyfriend that he had a relationship with. Um, he claims that she became obsessed, and when he broke it off with her, she committed suicide. Um, but as the movie progresses, you kind of get more and more information that shows that, that the boyfriend is not necessarily telling the truth. And eventually you find out that he's outright lying. Um, you find that him and his friends... Oh, you also learn that, like, his friends have, like... A couple of his friends have killed themselves from college. And you learn that they, um... I guess they raped the girl or they, or, like, tried to rape the... Anyway, they abused the girl and, um... He used, like, her affection for him to kind of, like, gain her trust so they could do that. And that's what's haunting them is, like, her spirit getting revenge for, um... Basically, like, justifiable revenge. Um where one of my favorite things in the movie and the reason why this movie has stuck with me for so long is kind of like the um the rhyme of the ancient mariner thing you know the 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 ghost corpse like on the back Mm -hmm. of the the accused like following him around forever um so you know he tried to like the whatever he took advantage of her and in life and now she'll like stay with him forever in death um so, again, it's not, like, the most original plot, necessarily. Um, and I'm really disappointed that I made the What Lies Beneath connection because I feel even worse about the originality of the plot. <laughs> um, but it's got some really great visuals to it. Uh-huh. Um, it's really interesting to see a different cultural take on horror um, in the fact that, you know, this is Thailand, so it's different than pretty much anything else has come before it in terms of just the setting and whatever um the way that it looks at society um but ultimately like it's it's not like you're not going to remember this movie forever it's not going to stay with you it's not like a classic of horror cinema but it's a very eminently watchable movie 
with good performances and I think some really great visuals, um, including the last eight to nine minutes of this movie, I think are some of my favorite like horror visuals from this year. Um, and even of the decade, like I love the corpse, like cradling its legs and arms, like around his neck and head. And the idea that like, it's basically caused him like degeneration of his spine. And um, there, there's a really, there's a great scene early in the movie where they weigh him and he weighs twice as much as he weighed, like whatever, like the week before, and then the vignette at the end, like the montage of images, is that it's like the weight of this, you know, basically the weight of his guilt that he's carrying is like physically like weighing him down as well, which I think is mm. a pretty cool concept. So, um, so yeah, again, another yeah, we, movie. We that had was... an interesting conversation a little bit last night in the sense that like you saw this one like early on when it came out, and I had never seen this before yeah. until now, and. I didn't dislike this movie. I was just kind of nonplussed by it and don't have a lot to say. But the more we talked about it, it could be that it's like you in like the way that we process information, you kind of hold in your mind, even watching it now, some of the feelings and thoughts you had then yeah. of being like seeing it fresh, like having it like and I've seen so many things since then that it's like I might not be as quite as impressed sometimes with some of the things that they're doing here that's different. I still like the movie overall. Like I said, I don't have anything bad to say about it. Um, just like uh, didn't see anything that made it like really stand out to me. But I think that's interesting of like seeing things uh, when they're fresher and newer. Um, Here, here's the other thing. On. The other thing too is that I love movies that have so the the male main character is a photographer. And one of the things that leads to them discovering like this haunting is, and again, taking like cues from the ring or, or whatever, is that the, the distortion of film when he takes a photograph, like he can see kind of like this hazy figure in the background of certain shots and stuff, because she's, she's haunting like him continuously and i i love that shit like you know we've talked about repulsion enough times and my fawning over like the last shot of that movie and so mm. i really do like the idea of like the hidden thing in the photograph um and i think that's one of the reasons why i like this movie so much when i first saw it um but ultimately it's not like again nothing wrong with the movie it's a it's a watchable movie uh-huh. it's entertaining but it's not like a seminal horror film from the time period. Although another movie that was remade, I think with Joshua Jackson is in the, yeah. the remake of this um, yeah. a few years later in America. I didn't look that up. If, if you really want, and I'm, I'm just going to assume that one missed call is terrible. Um, but if you want to do like a really good triple feature, you should do the pulse remake, the shutter remake and the eye remake and watch them all back to back to back. And, just probably want to die afterwards <laughs> um let's see here is that oh yes it, that's uh, definitely josh jackson um yeah. oh and rachel taylor when they were trying to make her thing for a while huh. um <clears throat> i think we've covered three thai movies from my recollection to Thai horror movies um on the podcast at different points um this the eye and the medium um mm. which was a couple years ago right was there any more right i don't really consider the eye to be a Thai movie but 
The I is a Thai Korean co-production. Gotcha. Okay. But the majority of that okay. movie takes place in South Korea. Okay. They just right. travel to yeah. Thailand. Yeah. yeah. Or no, no, no. Is that right? But yeah, Oxide, Oxide yeah. Pang, the the Pang brothers are Korean. Or um, they're Thai, yeah. I believe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because they do Bangkok Haunted a couple of years later. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um. But it's really only the last like twenty five minutes of that movie that take place in in yeah. Thailand. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah. I I liked a lot of stuff in the. Uh, I thought the medium was way too long, but I I like a lot of stuff in it. Like a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, it's a really good setup, and it's got some really creepy um yeah. imagery, and it's it's one of the most depressing. Mm-hmm. like hopeless endings i think and in horror movies in the past like decade yeah absolutely especially because it keeps giving you these little carrots of like hope that mm-hmm. you're gonna be able to like somebody's gonna make it out but then like they just like shit all over you like every time so yeah medium's good i always think of stuff like i've never made you watch these but like the pmac movies um which are based on like a really famous urban legend in in thailand mm. um and they end up being like so goofy in the long run that uh they're really difficult to watch, so. Gotcha. They're on Netflix. P-E-E-M-A-K. Oh, yeah, I've passed by those before, yeah. I know what yeah. you're talking about. Uh-huh. It's basically, there's this, I think it's based on a real-life incident where, um, like, there was a domestic that worked in this house of a wealthy person, and I think the man tried to, like, make sexual advances on her, and she rejected him, and he murdered her. Mm-hmm. and then hid her in, in like some closet and then they moved out or something or they, like they locked her in like a fridge and like tied it up and then moved her and it took like a long time to find her because the house just sat vacant um i think that's what the the legend is or like the actual story that happened um hard to really learn any facts or history in thailand because they're very uh very closed off with their um they like to talk about the past like that so much. Gotcha. Alright. Um, number two on the list is the remake of Dawn of the Dread directed by Zack Schneider, star Sarah Polly, Bing Rames, Jack Web- Jake Weber, um, Mackay Pfeiffer, and Ty Burrell it has a 76% from critics and a 77% from audiences. Um... So yeah, I don't know if you need to like necessarily give much of a so maybe the let differences me, maybe. I don't yeah, know. yeah. Let me let me say that this is that this is the highest praise I can give this movie is that this is absolutely not a remake of Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. This is a fresh reimagining of a similar scenario with completely different results. Right. Um. By what at the time seemed like to be a brilliant like young filmmaker um <laughs> and, so, and to his credit some would argue that he still is a brilliant filmmaker but um. i mean he 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 does he does almost the impossible which is he takes the essence of night of the living dead and distills it into a like what like 17 minute opening sequence mm-hmm. that's thrilling and terrifying and yeah. like pulse pounding and then proceeds to basically tell the same story without like 
I mean, it's it's constant action pretty much in this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't think the social commentary is as biting as Romero's necessarily. No. no. Um, but it's also not as pretentious in that respect either. Yeah. Um, because he's just like he's he's still pointing out like consumerism and I guess it's continuous impact on our lives and how it's kind of hard to ever like get away from it, even in the middle of the zombie apocalypse. Um, but I don't think he's as harsh a critic of it as Romero is. No, in fact, I mean, if, if things hadn't gone bad, it's the capital it's the capitalistic nature of the malls would save them. Right. To me. Um, well, right. Because it's, it's capitalism that defeats the initially defeats like the paramilitary, um, like dogmatism that they initially encounter. And sort right. of makes them to into a like functioning um, societal unit for a little while until sure. like yep. they make some really stupid yeah. decisions and then ultimately get yeah. like, eaten. Uh, uh, not get too much too quickly. Maybe into like Snyder and the, some of those thought process. I don't really want to. I've decided I don't want to talk as much about that as I wanted to. But um, I do think there's a. I love, I, I really like this movie. I don't want to say love. I really, really like this movie. I I think when we first saw it, we were, we didn't, we were like okay with it, if I remember correctly. And then we watched it again when it was on television, both of us like separately, and we're talking about it and liked it a lot better the second time. Is that so, how you remember it? No, you remember it completely wrong. You watched this movie without me because this is the night that insane woman like came into the movie theater and wouldn't leave. Okay. So you and Wesley and Emily watched this movie. Okay. While I was out in the lobby, like dealing with like a lunatic. Okay. I thought you were there. Okay. I, no. I remember that incident. I don't remember being this movie. Okay. I, I came in two or three times and talked to you guys. So I saw mm -hmm. snippets of it. So you were all really impressed with it and telling me okay. how much I would like it. Oh, okay. Um, and I was so angry at having to deal with all that nonsense. I didn't even really like give you any like cred. And then I watched it later and like oh, okay. really enjoyed it. Okay. Here's the thing I don't like about this movie. And this is the one thing that the number one movie on this list was probably always going to be the number one movie on this list because it's one of my favorite movies of the two thousands. Yeah. Um, we've talked about it before. We'll talk about why again, but yeah. The one thing that holds this movie back is I still see too much of what I hate about Zack Snyder in the future that I didn't see then because it's so fresh and dynamic and new that mm -hmm. you don't really see it. Yeah. Um, I really hate some of his decisions in terms of editing and yeah. the way he films things. Like, I think he's way too video games cinematic-y when he films sometimes Agreed. um i hate the baby oh in this terrible terrible. And terrible i don't know what it adds to the movie i think if you take it out the movie's much tighter uh -huh. and nothing else changes at all it's yeah. just a plot that doesn't need to exist yeah mckay fighter is absolutely embarrassing yeah i think it's really poorly done and um yeah it's it's the thing that i really dislike about it so for for someone who I, th I think gave one of the most um, uh, compelling young performances <laughs> in Clockers um, as, for a newcomer, um, his filmography like 
doesn't hold up very well and this is just an embarrassing performance um yeah. in an embarrassing plot line i think um as well. yeah it's so just I bad all around but um yeah i think this has one of the greatest um openings ever i think it's really it's good possibly the best fast zombie movie to me um that i think i've seen but there's a couple there's some i haven't seen um well american movie i should say american fast zombie um maybe i'll, I'll that i'll qualify it that way um because uh, train to Busan, i think is maybe the best fast zombie movie mm. um i thought you were gonna say nightmare city yeah <laughs> <laughs> um i think that some of the character work is okay i think it's a little shallow um but i think it works in terms of the plot so i like the development of the relationship between the guy in the gun store and ving rames like across the um you know, like across like the the mall yeah. parking lot, and um, um, you know, again, a little shallow, but the stuff with like Jake Weber and Sarah Polly, like slowly like building a connection, is fine. Um, yeah, I I'll tell you what I really don't like besides the baby is the end credits sequence, and like the the idea that they all just die once they get to the island. Uh, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not 100% convinced they all die, but I I see what you're saying. I just I, hate it because I, you got to listen to down with the sickness, like although that acapella or whatever you call it, a Muzak version of down with the sickness yeah. uh, makes me laugh every single time. Like that's um, um Richard Cheese, right? I'm I not sure, think, is it? I believe so. Maybe, really? maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Um, you're right. It's it's not a good ending sequence. It's very tacked on and lame. Yeah, well, it's tacked on and like it. I don't know. It just feels like, hey, you know these characters that you were hoping escaped and you just saw them escape and maybe like you don't know, but maybe they'll have a happy ending. Oh, during the credits, I'm going to show you that they fucking all die, and it's just this this uh edge lord type thing to me, which I mean shouldn't be shocking, but. Um, but I really like this movie a lot. I've seen it four, three or four times now, but probably four. And um, and um, I enjoy it each time. It's 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 a solid, uh, well paced overall. Like pretty, uh, uh, just a you know maybe a little paint by numbers, but a really solid horror movie to me, like zombie movie. Hmm. Yeah, I enjoy it too. Um, I kind of view the end of that movie as a fuck you to found footage in some ways. Mm. Mm. Oh, I found the camera. Like, oh, right. they're filming me, yeah. you know, and then yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which makes me not mind it, I guess, as much. But I agree, like, it's unnecessary. Yeah, I um, and it's only there to um. So my guess is that, and I don't know any. I'm just talking out my ass, but my guess is that it was probably written to be like 25 to 30 minutes longer and mm-hmm. was meant to include them going to the island and having those things happen and then probably right. showing them all dying and they had to cut it so you get like a three minute like clip montage yeah because yeah yeah that's that could be right yeah but yeah that's the that, it's kind of a downer to me in some ways i mean not that it's like fucking really hopeful or anything as a movie yeah. um in itself but it's it's kind of a downer when you get to the end and it's like you know and maybe it may, so maybe the thing pulls is the maybe, rug out from under you. i mean look Zack snyder is 
And Zack Snyder's a complicated dude, and I think that he's probably a really, like, decent man in real life, and I just right. think he's got, like, Edgelord is the exact right way to say it. I wonder if it's not this idea that there's so many open-ended endings in 70s horror movies, 70s and 80s horror, where the viewer is meant to, like, kind of craft their own ending or decide, like, what happens to the characters at the end. And maybe that's Snyder's way of kind of, like, giving, you know, like, a modernized update to the original Dawn of the Dead by giving you an actual ending to the movie. Like, you don't have to wonder whether or not they survived, because no, they didn't. They all fucking died. Right. Because everyone dies. I don't know. Right, but yeah, it's there. There's some really brilliant stuff in this movie, and I wish that he had just continued. Although fucking Land of the Dead is terrible, and that's him too. So I don't know who knows, but is that it? Um, I think. Oh, so. oh, oh, arm. That's Army of the Dead. Army of the Dead, right? My bad. Yeah. Land of the Dead is the right later Romero, right? Did Romero direct that? I don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. But that's yeah, the, yeah, that's, that's a really this, bad one with Dennis Hopper in the apartment building, right? That is Land of the Dead. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's Romero. That was. I'm, 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 I'm thinking of the Netflix one from like two years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, that's Army. That of is the Army Dead of the Dead. Batista, yeah. right? Um, Batista and yeah. yeah, right. Vegas. Oh, that's that thing's fucking terrible. Yeah. Oh, so bad. Yes, yes. Um, he's really in that movie too. Um, he likes that movie. He's really into it loves talking about in interviews all the time Schneider alright so number one on your list is a movie that we have discussed previously um, do you want to take a guess on when we talked about it Frank because I was actually pretty shocked um, uh, is it like episode six or something psychological horror uh, nine um, you're close nine it was the uh, top five psychopaths um, foreign psychopaths foreign psychopaths yes yeah, yeah, this vengeance is mine, and um, yeah, that's a good list. Yeah, um, but the the movie is Calvair, which I looked up. That is, um, it's Calvair. Calvair is how you say it. Yep, mm-hmm. I swear um, I heard somebody say it, Calvary, like some Frenchman. Uh, it is directed by uh, Fabrice De Wells, and it stars Laurent Lucas, Jackie Bearwire, and Philippe Nahum. Um has a 48% from critics and a 51% from audiences. Uh, so you want to go ahead and tell us again um, a little bit about this and uh, why it's number one on your list for the year. I don't want to talk too much about the plot. Um, yeah. I think we talk about it a lot in episode nine, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but we do. It's just been recently re-released. So I think that, you know, if you've never seen this movie and you're a fan of horror, that you owe it to yourself to go spend the $6 or whatever on Amazon and rent this and watch the director's cut. Um, here's what I want to talk about with this movie, and I've, I've tried to think, so this is a movie that makes me feel a certain way, and it's, I've never been able to explain, like, what that feeling is, and we talk a whole lot over the course of the past, like, however many years we've been doing the podcast, like, five years or whatever, Uh um, we've mentioned Lynch a lot and talked about Lynch and his ability to, like, kind of drag certain feelings out of you, um, sometimes indescribably like with the way that he films things and so 
after I watched um, Calvary again, I, I was trying to think like, what what is it about this movie that really like sticks with me? Because I didn't want to call it Lynchian because I think that's a cop out, mm-hmm. but it's also not wrong. And so I want to I'm gonna like do a whole bunch of talking like like preamble to make like a two second point, but you mm-hmm. know just, just bear with me. Mm-hmm. So. When I was a kid, one of the things that I was, like, the most afraid of was the idea of being abandoned and not, like, the idea of being, like, left at the mall or left at the grocery store. My parents, like, drive away without me, but the idea of, like, never being able to get back to my life again for some reason, like, being, like, stuck somewhere where no one could ever save me or no one knew where I was, you know, like, because we grew up in the era of child, like, the, the child abduction scares you know sure where we would like montel williams and donahue would have it like every week would talk about like mm-hmm. how kids were getting kidnapped oh, yeah. and shit and that really had like a, a deep effect on me and the idea of like whatever like just being like taken away from your life and never being able to get back to it mm-hmm. um and so i think like one of the reasons why lynch one of the reasons why ghosts effective ghost movies like really have an impact on me and then lynch in general is because it's the idea that there's a an essence or a being or something that's like stuck somewhere and it can see you but you can't see it and it's been like the idea of like this like entity or this like consciousness being driven insane for you know whatever like decades of like being stuck somewhere right like mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the reasons why lynch's like empty room and empty space filming is so effective because to me like that's where my imagination goes is like what's the thing that can see me in this scene that i can't see mm-hmm. um and so that's a feeling that i get from watching lynch that i've never really been able to like define i don't know if I did a good job of defining it there, but that's like how it makes me feel. And I realized watching Calvera that that's the feeling of this movie is that there's no logic to anything that happens in it. There's no sanity to anything that happens right. in it. Laurent Lucas is gradually broken down from being a crass, opportunistic, but mostly just like normal man into something else like he's completely dehumanized and changed and nothing around him makes any sense you know and it's like we watched um gozu a couple weeks ago um or we talked about gozu whatever that feels like seven thousand years ago at this point but right um and i felt like i felt like there was a similar thing there in the way that Mike filmed that movie and it being just slightly off center in the way that like things are happening right like it's still recognizably the world that we live in but there's small things that happen and in Mike's movie it's like an like a gradual escalation of insanity mm-hmm. and i think that's the case here too but it's like there's soft edges to everything but it's all like like sick and like sick in the sense of like when you feel nauseous in your stomach, like it's like twisting, you know, like yeah. the things that are happening to this guy and the things that are happening around him and the fact that like shit, you know, like you don't even know 
what to believe or not to believe in any like I don't think at all in this movie. Um, and I think that Febreze Duels like really captures that immediacy that Lynch has with the way that he films things. Um, like what is it called? Like liminal space, right? Where it's like where you're stuck in time and like, like nothing. doorways. Yeah, it's like the, that place in between, kind of. Yeah, yeah, like like nothing is moving. It's, it's like that feeling, and in this movie in this inn where he's just stuck and it's like nothing he can do can get him out of there. Yeah. And it's almost one of those things where you feel like, am I, is, is this even really happening or is this some kind of like purgatorial? Cause I, I've, I've wondered that and I've watched this movie a dozen times, probably mm-hmm. since it came out. Um, I've often wondered is, is he dead? You know, did he die mm-hmm. going across this mountain and this is kind of his like punishment for taking advantage of the elderly and like playing off their emotions just to earn a paycheck, you know, as his right. career. Right. And now he's the the precious object that like these other people are kind of taking advantage of to mm-hmm. to satisfy themselves. So I don't know. Um so yeah. So I I think that I think if you go back and listen to episode nine, like we we talk about it a lot, and I'm, I'm yeah because we got into like some of the stuff with like masculinity and sexuality, yeah, and, 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 and kind of stuff right, like like he's the alpha male in his world and in his van, but all it takes is a guy you know with a little bit of power over him, just in the sense of like. It's not even like physical power necessarily. It's what would you call it? like influence or yeah. like he has ostensibly control over you know Laurent Lucas's fate, Mark right, Mark's fate. Yeah, Mark Steve. Um, even though he doesn't really, but Mark has to hold out hope that maybe this guy's going to help him, even though there's so many things that are telling him that like it's not legit i don't know it's, there, yeah. there's so many layers to this movie that make it very uncomfortable and very difficult to watch and it's not yeah. just like the overt um sexual abuse and yeah. whatever it's 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 the it's him like him laying the, on the bed in the dress like crying in, yeah. a, in the fetal it's position like the, it's like the emotional desolation um of of what's going on with this guy yeah like it's just it's 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 a really difficult movie to watch. I've only watched yeah, it really twice, is. and um, I don't know. I might watch it uh, at some point again. But it's a it's a really I love hard it. movie for me to watch. Yeah, it's it's so. a it's a fantastic movie. Um, I think it goes way beyond. Like I understand what you're saying about Lynch. Like, but it's like in terms of like I can watch Lynch like over and over again. Like this this movie makes me feel uncomfortable uh, much more than Lynch ever does. Um, yeah. It's also, there's the scenes that like come out of nowhere that are just absolute, like abject lunacy, like the people dancing in the bar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that kind of stuff. I, yeah. Right. The yeah. whole um, raid on the, you know the the end at the end is just it mm-hmm. it almost feels like you're watching like a world war ii movie 
and then like the dreamy awfulness of him like slogging through the marsh right so i don't know yeah that is interesting and i'm I'm gonna watch it again and think about like you know whether it's reality or not or whether it's like his it's it's changing based on his perception maybe of like where he's at like in terms of the situation i don't know i'll have to like look at it visually again at some point um but yeah excellent movie and if you haven't seen it like uh yeah it's worth watching i think like absolutely and i know that you you really love it frank so i really do it's a it's a great movie and definitely worth your time I think. yeah yeah but be prepared to be uncomfortable probably right <laughs> that, that's one of the funniest um so i don't know if we've really ever talked about this we our group of friends um through our friend michael bledsoe um we're all part of a uh message board message board called the mexitron at one point and then it was called um zbd group yeah yeah, ZPD, ZPD, Zangief, Zangief Piledriver crew. Yeah. Um, so one of the things we had was like movie recommendations. So I had recommended this movie and <laughs> our friend Aaron, yeah. on one of his first dates with the woman that would become his wife, he rented this movie or purchased it and watched it with her. And the post was just like, oh, fuck, what was it? It was so funny. It was like, I just... I watched this with Julie on your recommendation, and I don't know if she's ever going to look at me the same way again. But... <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be bad one. So, yeah, don't don't do this on a first date, probably, or maybe yeah. you do. I don't know. Like, you, you know, no, you're gonna you're gonna learn something about yourself and about them. Right. I mean, he he's he ended up he's married. He's married. With right. So, kids, so maybe that maybe this movie works in that regard. Right. Um. All right, Doctor. Yeah. Dr. Love. So next, uh, next, next month, I'll say like, you know, the next year, 2005 looks interesting. Um, uh, glancing at the movies. Um, some of them we've also talked about before, uh, on that list. Um, Uh, we're talking around, um, some. Yeah, it'll be fine. A lot of Western movies there. Yeah, there are. Cello is the only one that's not, that's a Korean movie. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you you consider, oh, I'm I shouldn't be giving spoilers. Yeah. It's fine, whatever. Um, Fuck it. Yeah, that's the only movie do. I haven't seen though. I think um, is that one. So uh, I'll be honest to watch it. But um, and yeah. it's funny that I put. Huh? I'm reconsidering my 2006 list, just like looking at it. Hmm. Huh. Oh. <laughs> what am I doing? 2007. What are you I doing? We'll keep it like that. <laughs> I mean, you can change shit. I. It's not like I, I'm not watching that far ahead or anything like I normally do. So, um, but yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, but it's about to be summer. You're gonna be watching like 16 movies a day, like eh, I. Used to. I don't know. Um, we'll see. I'm I'm too busy watching. Um failed ghost hunting pilots um on Tubi because <laughs> I I'm out of I just ran out of like I'm out of control I guess or something I don't know um <clears throat> watching all this bad shit the fucking chagrins like infected me and um I'm just looking for shit to laugh at now well 
I added like 33 movies to my Tubi watch list because of this week's spin chagrin. So right. I'll, I'll have something to give you. <laughs> right. right. I've probably watched a bunch of them already. Um, or at least parts of them. Um, all right. Well, uh, we will be back uh, here in a couple of weeks. And yep. um, and then we'll be back at the end of the next month with uh, the top five horror movies of 2005. So thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good week. Deuces.